Hello, Internet! This is Chase Wassener, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King. Welcome to another very exciting edition of the Guest Alliance Unicorn Challenge podcast. It's here! It's Worlds! It's the finals! We are finally going to see which team is going to take the Summoner's Cup and ascend to be Season 5 World Champions. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather have break down the lines with me than my good friend, Walter Fetchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I am I am doing very well. I am excited that it's World Championship Eve. Mm-hmm. I guess we get to see uh, SKT and the Koo Tigers battle it out to determine whether we have a uh, a two-time world champion or whether uh, whether there will be no two-time world champion. So I'm excited. I can't wait to watch this game tomorrow morning. It's a very exciting series. It's something that I think has a lot of wrinkles. I talked last night with Tim Sevenhusen from Oracle's Elixir, and I had my friend Skylar on, who's an LCK mega fan. If you guys haven't listened to that podcast yet, you totally should. Um, But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where I'm very excited to see this matchup, but I do have one question for you, because there's, there's kind of been a lot of mentality around what the semifinals really meant about, you know, where Europe is compared to where Korea is, and, and all these other factors. So can, let's just start with the question. Do you think that these finals have the two best teams in the world participating in them right now? If you so, so to quantify that question, if you're asking me, are the two best teams in the world, period, mm-hmm. playing in this world championship, I would say no. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me, are the two best teams at this tournament playing in the world championship, I would say yes. That's fair. I think that's entirely reasonable. I, I want to, to throw something out there, though, just as a, as a quick thing. And this is something that you can relate to very well because you are like me and that we come from a very traditional sports background on a lot of these things. Uh, in 2013, the Atlanta Falcons were ahead 24-14 to 14 at halftime over the San Francisco 49ers. We're literally a fourth down conversion away at the 10-yard line from going to the Super Bowl that year. The 49ers were not an incredible team. If you look at where they ended up and how that whole season, you know, how the Super Bowl went down, there are reasons to believe that the Falcons might have been better adjusted to be at that Super Bowl. It didn't matter because they lost the game, and that's kind of how this goes. Uh, In the same way you look at the NBA championship this year, uh, the Spurs, a lot of people think that the Spurs would have been a much harsher matchup for the Golden State Warriors in terms of how these teams matched up head-to-head. The Spurs barely lost a very close seven-game series to the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers obviously ended up losing to... Uh, they lose to Houston. Houston loses the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors end up winning the whole thing. Uh, it, it becomes, you know, this whole... You know, it, it, it leads to the Golden State Warriors winning the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Were they the best team? I don't know, but they won the games that were ahead of them, and they did everything you could ask for them to win the finals. I, I think a lot of people are looking at this fanatic loss, and they're saying that it makes some wide assumption as to whether fanatic was ever really going to be able to compete with Korea. Here's the stat you guys need to keep in mind. Fnatic was ahead 26.8 thousand gold to Ku's 21.9 at the 15-minute mark. Teams with a 5,000 gold lead are expected to win more than 80% of the time. Now, they lost that game, and they lost for a couple reasons. Things that, you know, obviously part of the mistakes, part of things just 
going Ku's way. They got lucky in that bot lane fight that, you know, Fnatic hadn't warded properly, which is a mistake they hadn't made against EDG in the same situation. <laughs> but at the same time, does that make Ku any less worthy to be there? No. But I think that we need to understand that there's this thing called variance. And if Fnatic wins game one, I don't think we see games two and three go the way that they did. I don't think they panic Skarner on game two because they're terrified of running a similar style to what they did in game one. And I definitely don't think they lock in Oriana in game three if they win game one and know that that is a path to victory that is available to them. I think there's, you know, there's this kind of domino effect that mentally held them back that we need to take into account that a lot of people, including I've heard some things from people from Fnatic apparently feeling like, oh, Korea is just so much better than us. And it's, and that's weird to me. And so I, I just wanted to kind of address that at the top of the show. I, I, I want to, you know, basically explain my viewpoint on it. I don't think that Ku is the second best team in the world at all. Mm -hmm. I would probably agree that it might be Fnatic. It could be Edward Gaming. Like, mm -hmm. it could be any, probably any of the teams that made it into the quarterfinals except the Taiwanese teams. Mm -hmm. I think the argument is no longer about talent. I think pretty much every league around the world has the same amount, the same quality of talent at its top peak. So I think that the best mid you know, Bjergsen and Faker mechanically are probably, you know, within a percentage point of each other and how good they are. You know, Faker and Pawn, Faker and Rookie, all mechanically, all the players are probably at the same place or within, you know, two or three percentage points of each other. That being said, the place that Korea is extremely far ahead of everyone on is that the the infrastructure, the the training behind everything, the the, the cultural imp, you know impact of the game and, and how those guys aren't worried about streaming. You know, Faker isn't worried about streaming. Yeah, he's forced to stream by Azubu and he just goes on, but you don't see him trying to purposely be entertaining when he streams. He literally just plays the game like he's practicing. And if he does something funny, yeah, he might chuckle, but I assume that's how he does when he plays normal Q. And you come to North America and you look at someone like Bjergsen, when he's streaming, when he's actually on stream, you can tell he's not taking the game 100% seriously. So... I agree that Korea is ahead of the West and ahead of China, but this gap that everyone's making of, oh, they're so much better, isn't the case. They just prepare and practice better. They're just more intelligent when it comes to playing the game in a competitive setting. It's not that they have, you know, I said it last time on the podcast, they don't have Michael's secret stuff that they're, you know, sprinkling on their hands and going crazy. You know, it's not like they're that far ahead in terms of mechanics. Let's not forget, you know, Fabivan was 1v1ing Faker at MSI. Yeah. Did all of a sudden, in, in, you know, three, four months, that all of a sudden Faker can't be 1v1 by anyone? No, that's not the case. We saw him 1v1 by Westor. I mean, that's the thing. I, and, and I just, <laughs> I, I just, I'm glad that, that we can talk about this. Because for the record, that doesn't take away anything away from Ku. They played an amazing tournament. Nofe is an amazing coach who handles picks and bans better than anyone other than potentially Coma, which is what makes that matchup so interesting. But it is something where I, I just want to, I wanted to start by reeling back on this, because mm -hmm. there's this huge push now that suddenly the West could never have competed and we were all silly for buying into this narrative that Fnatic could have won that semifinal series, and I don't think that's the case. Fnatic yeah. failed to show up, they deserve to lose, they deserve to be at home watching, but it's not because they couldn't have competed or couldn't have won that series. It's because they made a couple big mistakes in game one, and in game two and three, 
You know, it's it's that stare down between Delior and Nofe, and Delior blinked. Yep. And he blinked badly in game two. And game three, which he still seems to think was a fine pick and ban phase, I think was the most egregious I've seen potentially in this whole tournament, just in terms of the stakes that were at play <laughs> and what he forced his team into doing. And I think you need to, if I'm fanatic, you need to recognize that that was a winnable series and that you let it go instead of saying, oh, well, it's Korea, we never could have won. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think that narrative is poison. But let's let's talk about the actual series at hand. Yeah. We have this amazing SKT versus Q series. These teams have played each other in the LCK. Walter, when I talked to uh, Tim yesterday, he brought up the biggest change between now and the LCK series we saw them in is basically the patch and what that means for the top lane. So let's talk yes. about the top lane. What are you most excited about seeing in the top lane? How do you think this 1v1 and, you know, when you bring the junglers in, 2v2 matchup is really going to go? So I'm excited in terms of top lane because I'm excited to see if Marin gets crazy ahead of, of Smeb, like in the first 5-10 minutes, like Someday was able to. How does Smeb turn the lane around? Because we saw in that KT series that Smeb would get behind, that they would gank him, that they would kill him, that he, they would try and gank someday, and someday would get a double kill out of it, and you know he would lose, he would lose lane, he was losing lane the first ten minutes, and then all of a sudden the camera would be like watching bot lane and swing all the way top, and you just see Smeb just killed someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I want to see what happens. I want to see if SKT is going to let him play Fiora. Which I'm not sure that you want to take that risk. Although Marin pulled out the Renekton and had a phenomenal Renekton, you know, it's been able to play Renekton phenomenally and as a counterpick to Darius. Maybe he has some secret anti Fiora counterpick. Maybe we're going to get to see Teemo. <laughs> Trindamir. Trindamir would be fun. I, I mean, there are a lot of things that would be fun. I would be slightly surprised to see Teemo right now, just given how team-oriented a lot of these things are. I don't know if Teemo <laughs> plays well into the teleporting around, into all these ganks and whatever else. I do want to say that both of these players have been great on Fiora. Marin obviously, has 5-0 and on the champion with a 3.7 uh, KDA. He has had some incredible games against some of the best top laners in the world. His Renekton has been a huge counter to both the Fiora and the Darius. Mm-hmm. Smeb, on the other hand, the one thing that he has going for him is that he's played more different top laners. We've seen him do Hecarim. We've seen him win on Kennen. We've seen him do the Gnar and the mm-hmm. Riven and the, you know, and the Fiora, obviously, as something that he's excelled on a lot recently. Mm-hmm. And these are the kinds of things where, if it was just a 1v1, I would say this is particularly close. Smeb does maybe a little bit better at killing minions early, but uh, Marin has some advantage on just the the mid to late game and, and what he's able to do outside of that, that lane bullying. Some of his teleports have just been so brilliant. Mm-hmm. But then you look at Bangi versus Hojin and how this becomes a 2v2 matchup. And that's where I think there's some concern. When you look at what Bangi's been able to do, especially with that Jarvan pick he brought out against Origin, versus Hojin, who you know had some wins on a Zac in in the kind of games that I don't think SKT is going to allow. Do you think that is something that turns the matchup thoroughly enough in SKT's favor? Or does Smeb still have some room to, to outplay, even with Ojin not being the same level of jungler as you would think? I don't 
think that Hojin's not like I don't think Bengi is that much better than Hojin. I think Hojin's probably better in the in that kind of dual aspect, that two v two kind of skirmish aspect. I think Bengi is way more about the the controlling the jungle and controlling vision. So how Bengi would try and counter Hojin is just control that top side of the jungle, you know, farm all of the you know if. if you know, invade and farm all the camps and, you know, anytime Hojin walks in there, give him no reason to stay. Mm-hmm. Like, have him, you know, go back into the bot side jungle and you're not going to do a, your, your, your gop and then travel all the way to top lane to gank. You know, if you have two camps up and if it's your wolves and your, and your gop, you're not going to go to top lane to gank. You're either going to go to mid, you're going to go to body, you're going to try and sneak dragon. Or you're going to get that scuttle crab there. So I think what they'll try and do is they'll try and use Bengi's, Bengi's play style and just control the upper half of the map. And say you got you can go bottom, you can go gank bottom as much as you want. We don't care about that. We can teleport in, you can teleport in, we'll have a big fun, you know, five v five party bot lane, but you're not gonna touch top lane. And I think that's what SKT wants to do is they want to turn this into a Marin versus Smeb one v one, who's the better top laner. And the second, you know, one or two games happen and they realize that Marin is way better than Smeb. Then they'll, you know, they'll unleash the floodgates and Bengi and Faker will just constantly gank that lane and they'll try and get him ahead. Or they'll just, again, you know, just play the same style and say, nope, we're going to put a wall here. You're not going top. You're not going to worry about that. Let's play 4v4 on the bot side of the map and let those guys go do their thing. If it seems that Marin keeps losing this matchup, then they'll probably go into 2v1 lane swaps. Then they'll probably start doing stuff uh, to actually attack Smeb. But I think SKT is really just going to say, nope, we're not going to worry about that lane. We're going to let Meb and S- Marin and Smeb duke it out, and we're going to make sure that, that Bang and Faker get ahead of, of uh, Kuro and Prey. Well, I guess my only problem with that is that Banky doesn't need to do anything for Faker in order to get ahead in that mid lane. Faker's perfectly competent in and of himself. He wins his lane just by having an incredible CS difference over his opponent. 17.1% CS lead. Uh, or sorry, uh, 15.1 CS difference at 10 minutes. I mean, that's insane. He, he doesn't need any help. He hasn't been getting any ganks in order to make that happen. Faker's just Faker. And he is the one exception to the every player at this tournament is probably within a couple percentage points of each other. Faker's just, I mean, he's the Bonwa for a reason. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, I think if you're Hojin, you have to gank top. And this is, this is why. You look at Bang. What does Bang like to play? Well, he likes to play Tristana. He likes to play you know, Callista. He likes to play a lot of these you know, high-mobility uh, kind of AD carries who have safety routes built into their kit. So you're not going to really be able to do a lot early in the bot lane. And ganking Faker, I mean, good luck. I mean, have fun with that. If you're... If your win condition relies on keeping Faker down, I think you're going to have a really rough day. So I think almost by definition, you have to try to get Smeb going top, which means that Bengi is free to also try to make that a 2v2. And, and that's, I guess, where I worry about Hojin is. He's oftentimes tried to force those ganks top, even when it doesn't make a lot of sense, because Kuro is always going to be behind in, in laning just because of the types of champions that Kuro plays and Prey is a more defensive AD carry, so he doesn't make it as easy to gank. So he's already been putting all this time top, and now he's playing a team that knows he's going to be top. And he has this bad habit of sitting on wards and spending too long to try to make a gank happen. That's what worries me. Uh, it was not punished properly enough against Fnatic. Uh, KT punished it sometimes in the early game, but then wasn't able to capitalize on it in the mid to late. SKT will capitalize on that every time. 
especially because just because of the nature of these other two lane matchups. It's almost too easy to predict that that's where Hojin's going to be. You, is, that, is that a fair concern, or do you think yeah, there's a way that they can overcome that? No, I, I think it's a fair concern, and that's why I think that they're just going to protect Marin. They're just going to throw a ton of wards up there and because they, they know that Hojin's going to go up there. Benki doesn't need to counter-gank him. They need to just trust that Marin is a smart enough player that if he has the right amount of vision, he can back off or he can outplay the 2v1, which I think mm -hmm. Marin and Smeb are both capable of doing. So instead, go focus on the other lanes and making sure that you're protecting Bang, getting him as far ahead as you can, and helping Faker just duel out Kuro. Because I get Kuro is a very safe mid laner, is going to sit back and is going to play the, you know, the the Victors and the the Vegars and the Azirs and these kind of zone control play zone control mages. But you can get on top of them. You yeah. can gank them, especially with something like a Jarvan or a Rek'Sai. You know, it's not impossible to get on top of them. Yeah, and that's been the the most fun evolution of Banky's game to see. You know, we saw him play a lot of Evelyn in the LCK regular season. That's something I wouldn't be surprised if we see here, just in terms of that ganking potential. The Jarvan is incredible for ganking potential. Uh, the Rek'Sai, obviously. And the Elise is going to be a must-ban on red side for both of these teams, because both Hojin and Bengi have 100% win rates on that champion. It's by far both of their best champions in terms of, you know, just sheer KDA and the damage they're able to, you know, bring forward onto that team. It, it's going to be very scary if you're on red side, because the Mordekaiser gangplank Elise bans almost become a necessity which means you know the one thing that i i do think this opens up if you're looking at you know how does ku win some games well when they're on blue side that means they can first pick the tom kench which is <laughs> something that worked really well for them in game two against Fnatic. do you think that the way that gorilla plays that champion and the lane matchups that that allows for ku that can be something that they look to turn around a game and give themselves the opportunity to get to the mid to late game or they can prey upon some SKT over aggression in certain cases. I, I think SKT will then make them trade. If they're going to give up Tom Kench, they'll make them trade for like Elise. Like when SKT is on red side, if they if they want if they don't care about banning the the Tom Kench, they'll just make it a okay, fine, we'll get Elise, we'll get Lulu, we'll get Mordecai, you know, we'll get a gangplank. So you, you know, think they, they leave one of the power picks open then? Yes. If they were to do that. Yep. If they're going to leave it open, Tom Kench, like I have to assume that Wolf plays the champion. Which, for the record, I believe Wolf already has a game on the champion in this tournament. He does. He's played the champion three times. Okay. And so there has, you go. And has a 16.0 KDA on the champion. Yeah, I think so he's you, fine on Tom Kent. Yeah. So you leave it open and try and get Elise. Or you try and get, you know, what are the other power picks? And I'd be okay trading a Gangplank and getting Tom Kench. Really? Like, I think you have to be comfortable with that. Yeah. I would be because Gangplank is so good right now. I don't know if like I don't know if Tom Kench is that level. I think he's the tier below, but we've seen Gangplank has been just utterly dominant in every game you've let through. I guess your argument is that you know Kuro doesn't play it, so you know it's going top. Mm -hmm. So maybe SKT has a counter to it, which we yeah. haven't, which they haven't had to bring out yet. It's certainly a possibility. I would think of all the power picks they'd they'd leave up. I guess you leave up the Elise, you force. Kuda ban Rek'Sai, and you just hope that the Jarvan can keep up in terms of early game gank pressure? It's an interesting matchup. I, I, it, I guess it's something that SKT probably feels a lot more comfortable doing that than Ku does. Do you think that SKT could first pick the Tom Catch? It could be very intelligent, but again, it just comes down to what, what champions are, they, are teams going to be willing to trade. Tom Catch is probably one that you could trade, but you have to make sure you get something back that's you know, worthwhile. I don't want to trade Tom Kench for Rek'Sai. 
I'd trade it for Elise, I would trade it for Gangplank, I'd trade it for Mordekaiser, but you need to make sure that whatever you're getting is is worth it. You know what I'm, you know? Yeah, no, and that's the thing. I think we saw both European teams prioritize the Rek'Sai quite a bit in the semifinals, and both teams paid for it quite heavily. Uh, the Rek'Sai did not help Fnatic in Game 1 or Game 3, yep. uh, which part of it was Rainover not playing to the level that we'd seen him play, and he wasn't playing that amazing in this tournament going into it. But it's it, it certainly... I don't think the Rek'Sai makes the difference compared to the second tier of junglers. I think Elise might be a tier ahead. I think Rek'Sai can be in the right situation, but I think other junglers can do most of what Rek'Sai does mm-hmm. uh, if you compensate it in other ways. And one of the ways that these teams do kind of compensate is Envision. You know, SKT uh, doesn't ward as much as most teams that got that far. I think they are 11th in ward's place, but they have the highest ward clear rate in the entire tournament, whereas the Ku Tigers ward like crazy. Uh, I think the second most of any team in this tournament. But their yes. clear rate is the third worst uh, ahead of only Payne and the Bangkok Titans, which are wild card teams. So what does that tell you about some of the ways that these teams are going to be looking to attack fights? Uh, it'll definitely rely on Bengi clearing out vision, uh, creating blank space, uh, creating uh, dark spots in the Ku Tiger vision battle. I, that's what it comes down to, is clearing as many wards out as you can. You're going to be clearing more wards since Ku places so many wards, uh, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. I do know that Ku overlaps their vision quite a bit, so they may have a ward in one bush and you know a bush right next to it that are both kind of watching the same thing, but you're only going to sweep one of the two bushes. You're not going to be able to get both bushes. Um, I know they like to... They'll ward the, the on blue side, they'll ward... The, over the wall from like Wraith Bush, so in in that little um, alleyway that leads towards river, right next to mid lane, they'll ward there, they'll ward in the bushes in the river, and then they'll ward that bush that's behind their red buff. They'll ward all three of those places, and you can't clear vision out on all three of those places. Usually you'll go in and you'll clear out the, the, the river vision, or you'll clear out the, uh, the vision that's behind red buff, but you won't get that ward in that little alley, and that can give them a lot of information. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly something that really says a lot about how these teams like to play. Ku obviously wants all that information so they could find the perfect moment to pick a fight, whereas SKT just wants to prevent that information because they're confident that they will win that fight whenever it happens. Uh, it's really interesting to see how these match up. And of course, I, I think nowhere is that better represented than the Faker versus Kuro matchup, which is the last one we need to talk about. <laughs> I mean, if you're Kuro, what do you do? What I mean, how do you even begin to attack this problem? You you don't. You just do what you've been doing. You're not the carry on this team. Don't try to be the carry during the World Championship. Do not. That would be the biggest mistake Kuro's ever made in his entire career. Do not be something you aren't. That's that's the best thing I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Play your safe, control mage style. Sit back. Play smart. Get the CS that you can. Make the rotations that you can. Make sure you call out when Faker is left lane and just play smart. You don't need to carry this game by yourself. Let Prey do it. Let Smem do it. Just be the utility guy that they need to, to win this thing. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair. You need to get to the late game. You need to get to the point where the Ku Tigers start to shine, which unfortunately for them, uh, SKT is the best early game team possibly ever. I mean, we don't have you know the EGRs going back historically, but... Even after two Easy Hoon games that went longer than 
you would expect from SKT because it wasn't Faker. Uh, they still have a 73.6 EGR over 12 games, which is insane, by the way. It means that just the first 15 minutes of the game puts them in a 73% chance to win every single one of these games. And four of those games were with Easy Hoon, who plays more passively and takes advantage of the mid to late game. Uh, right. That's insane. And Koo Tiger has to find a way to survive that onslaught. And I think you're right. The only way you do that is by telling Kuro, look, I don't care if you give up a CS lead. You're, you already are down CS. Yeah, uh, don't die. Of, yeah, exactly. Uh, you're, you're down 8.2 CS compared to Faker's 15.1 ahead at 10 minutes. Yeah. Fine. Let that happen. We don't care. Just, you know, please, for the love of God, do not die. Because <laughs> if you die and Faker gets a couple kills early, they, it's not going to matter if we find a hole. It's not going to matter if Smeb gets ahead or anything. That's that's the one thing right there is you need to you need to keep Faker down because he becomes that like that third carry behind behind Marin. Like he doesn't need to be the uh, he doesn't need to be the primary carry right now, but he can be. He can at any point become that primary carry. Uh, so if you get Smeb ahead of Marin, you know they can just rely on 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 Faker to be. Faker. So, yeah. Here's what scares me the most about Faker right now. Uh, we've only seen him play eight times. One of them was on an Olaf, so we can probably throw that out as something that, you know, that, as, that Ku would need to prepare for thoroughly. Uh, we've seen four Rise games. One Lulu, one Kassin, and one Azir. Okay. That's nothing compared to the number of champions we know he can play. And you know he has been saving all of his counters for the finals. What is what pick? I mean, this this is going to be more of just a you know a for fun kind of thing. But what pick do you most want him to pull out in this? Like like would mid lane Riven be the most exciting thing he could do? I, mid lane. Okay, okay. Are we are we talking realistically? What is he going to play? Because I think an eighty mid lane Soraka would be hilarious. Well, I mean, like like but, but realistic. Like given what we know about Faker and what we've seen him play throughout his career. And just how he plays when he's confident he can win that lane matchup. Like, you know, AD Soraka would be very funny, but probably isn't all that likely. Mid lane Riven, on the other hand, is something we saw him win games in just in the LCK summer season. Yeah, R- Riven or Zed. Yeah, ooh. Zed. Riven or Zed, and then Rise would be third on the list for me. That's the thing, right? His Rise is still so much fun to watch, even though we've seen it four times already. Like that teleport play against AHQ, I, I've now mentioned it three times in the past, you know, hour and a half of podcasting that we've recorded, but it's just so good. Like, seriously, I just want, like, that play needs to become a thing that people remember from this tournament in the same way we remember the Faker, what was that? Like, that was that <laughs> level of outplay. Yeah. It doesn't have the same call around it, but oh my God, it's such an amazing moment. And I, I hope people, you know, down the road still remember just how good he was through that play yep. alone, if nothing else. So so that leads us to the guest of the lines portion, which by the way, I guess we should start with the unicorn challenge part of this, because we have some exciting things to announce. Unicorn <laughs> has decided to give $250 to the charity of the winner's choice, which is very exciting. Um, so I guess this is the last time we get to plug the charities we're competing for until we talk about it tomorrow. Uh, I'm competing for Nothing But Nets, which is a charity that sends nets that are uh, sprayed with insecticide and whatever else to uh, underprivileged families in Africa, refugees, all these kinds of 
you know, areas of the world that wouldn't be able to get the malaria vaccine normally, these bugs, uh, these nets keep the bugs away. They allow them to stay away from the mosquitoes that can spread this virus and keep their children safe. It is an incredible charity. And, you know, $10 is, uh, is enough for an entire family uh, to keep them safe. So $250, that's 25 families that could be helped out with this, which would be pretty incredible. Walter, what can you talk a little bit about your charity since right now you've got the lead and, and your charity's <laughs> got to be feeling better about this than mine is? I, I have a pretty substantial lead and I feel very confident since I think we're both going to kind of gamble the same way on the game tomorrow. But my charity, Detroit Love on Our Arms, a uh, charity that works towards promoting and raising awareness for mental health issues, uh, including thoughts of suicide, depression, and the like, especially amongst uh, young adults and teens. Uh, they tend to rely on using pop culture uh, as a as like kind of their means to getting towards people, whether it's through uh, professional athletes, whether it's through YouTube celebrities or music stars. So I'm really glad that I'm ahead. It's something that I kind of hold near and dear to my heart. And I, I can't wait to, you know, get to send them a check. <laughs> well, I've got, I'm not over yet. It's, you are ahead by 198.88 unicorns right now. So where these lines are, where the value is, and how confident we both feel on it is going to decide a lot of what's left. Uh, you have uh, more unicorns to play around with, obviously, but yes. it all depends on how comfortable you feel. And maybe, maybe I can go all in and find my way, but... It is time, Walter, for us to guess this line. We are tied 8-8 eight to eight right now in the Guess the Lines challenge of this, which okay. for a much smaller prize, we get to, you know, whoever wins this gets to change the other guy's profile picture, which is on Twitter, which is very exciting in its own way. Uh, it's just a little kind of fun thing between the two of us. Do you think you have this, Walter? Have you, have you like, put a lot of thought and energy into, into how you're going to pull this off? So... So I already made, I already wrote down my number. Okay. And then I checked it. You already checked it. I already checked it. Okay. So, cause I want this more to be about, I want to say it and then I want to know if I'm safe after you say yours. <laughs> so I've already checked mine. So, so you're basically saying, Hey, even though you're the host, I want to be the one that reveals whether <laughs> I won or not. No, no, I just, cause I don't know if I won or not yet. I feel, I feel comfortable with where I put my number. I'll, I'll put it that way. I, I made it, and I was like, oh, God, I'm either going to be super, super wrong or super close. Yeah, you're, you probably won. I went too low. I will, I will give you oh. this moment because you probably won. If you went too low, then I probably did. I went minus 250. Oh, yeah. I, 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 went, I went minus 400 for SKT. And the line is minus 588. So congratulations, Walter. Yes. You finally win. <laughs> I felt so bad about that, actually. I was actually stressed out that I was not going to get that because I know you go high. Well, this was my theory, right? It's the finals. It's like this is this is the time where we've said these both of these teams have done so much to get to where they are. We've seen the Koo Tigers now, you know, they had a very convincing win against this Fnatic team that we thought all these good things about. We had they had a very convincing win against KT who we thought was the second best team in the tournament left mm -hmm. at the beginning of this bracket stage. You know, you'd have to think that if any line was going to be relatively close, it would be the finals. And I was wrong. There's, there is no... There's but no SK, SKT hasn't done anything at this point to, to show that they don't deserve to be heavy favorites. They haven't had a close game. They haven't had a close series. It's basically been... I, the closest I think anyone came to beating them was Orion in game one. Oh, and that was it. 
I understand. Even that wasn't that close. I, I know that, but like the gamblers don't always know that. How many times have we had lines where we said that's way too close or this team's being underestimated or this team's getting too much respect because of what happened the last week? I, I, I screwed up. I will openly admit that. I went, I went far too low. I deserve to lose this challenge. Walter, I'm sure you've got my, uh, my Twitter profile picture. I'm Ready I'm considering go. between a couple of options okay. that I will figure out tonight. Well, you will uh you will get to send it to me tomorrow, <laughs> and when I tweet out the final uh, Unicorn Challenge podcast, because we will recap the games obviously after tomorrow, uh, yes. one last time, reveal the Unicorn Challenge winner and everything else. Uh, this will be the moment where you guys will see on my Twitter what my new profile picture is. Maybe we'll even make it the thumbnail for that episode. I don't know. Oh. Uh, we'll have to figure that out, depending on what I'm it is. so glad I don't have to have Tom Brady as my profile picture anymore. Yeah, congratulations. You get to change what? that today. Uh, that is, uh, <laughs> I don't I mean... even know what I'm going to change it to. <laughs> but, uh, but let's talk about the other lines here. Uh, Koo, by the way, plus 400, which I think is, is interesting. By the way, I will say this line was even worse at the beginning of the week when I first checked it. So... I think the fact, like, there's actually been some action on Coup to bring it down to this, which tells you where... How high was it? I think it was as high as minus 800 at one point. Wait. It was really, I mean... And again, it's, if Faker plays all three of these games, that's, that's fair. Um, SKT winning map one, minus 270. Uh, for Coup, doing the same thing, plus 210. Uh, I think SKT winning map one is a lock because they're on blue side and it's SKT, yeah. but... You know, we stranger things have happened, I suppose. Uh, over four and a half games, plus 265. Hasn't happened yet. We might go through an entire bracket stage and have that bet never pay off. Which uh, is not great for the historical precedent that this tournament sets, but, you know, I, I think... I mean, this, this tournament historically sets that there is no five-game final. Yeah, and and I will we'll recap that at the, at the very end, but... uh. Let's say under four and a half games, minus 357. Uh, I don't think there's enough value there on that. Here's where I think it gets really interesting. SKT minus one and a half. So SKT winning 3-1 or better. Minus 217. It's not awful. That's not bad. That's not and, bad and, and that's that's allowing Koo to win one of these games. Meanwhile, if you think SKT wins the 3-0, the minus two and a half handicap, that is plus 155. That's, that's pretty good. That's really good. That's really, really good. I you think, could you could play it very safe and just go the minus one and a half and still make money. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like if you're not losing a challenge really badly that's being advertised <laughs> to all these people on iTunes, then I would highly recommend just sticking to the one and a half and knowing you're gonna get value out of it. I, on the other hand, I'm looking at that plus one fifty five as my comeback chance, which is great because I'm going against my own prediction because I predicted uh, I predicted SKT to win three to one. I, I'm going to bet against my own pick, which is always a good sign. That always ends well. Uh, last two odds really quick. Coup minus one and a half. So if you think they win at least one game or, uh, or actually at least two games or better, uh, that is plus 170. Uh, Coup minus two and a half winning at least one game is minus 196. So I would actually, I'd rather take that than the SKT minus one and a half. Yeah. Because then you're just saying Coup has to win one game which is basically what you're saying if you're not taking the, the minus two and a half for SKT. Yeah, but the two and a half you're saving yourself, it could be the three zero or the three one. Or the minus the the SK one, you're saying it could be a three oh. 
or yeah, a three-one. Yeah, that's fair. But at that point, like, if you think if you really think it's going to be a three-zero, then what you would do is you would bet on the minus two and a half and the the plus two and a half, and you have a little bit of a nice hedge. Yeah, there's a way to do that to guarantee that you make at least some money. Um, yes, I'm not going to play around with the numbers long enough to figure that out, but <laughs> but there's a way. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, I, I I guess that. That about wraps us up. Is there anything you want to touch on before we head into this final series? Is there anything that you're really looking forward to about this particular finals? Uh, I can't wait to see what skin Faker picks for his uh, his legendary skin. Him and him and Bengi. What awesome skins will they have? Because they're the only two-time world champions. Do you think that they'll let Faker and Bengi do their own voiceovers for the champion? So like it's them saying the lines or whatever. I you could just like add that, like like really like what would you have to do to make it really legendary? I mean, you have to give it some sort of like crazy particle effects. Like it ha- it has to be really really unique. That would be a really really unique aspect of it. I just don't know what the turnaround they want on the world champion skins are. If you do something like that, that just adds that probably adds another month where you have to get them in. And are are you going to have them record lines in every single language or just the Korean? I just the Korean. I don't care. I'd, I'd gladly okay. have if I get to hear Faker saying Korean things on. Well, I mean, I don't know what he. I guess he'd pick the Rise, like whatever Faker Rise looks like, and I get to hear Faker Senpai talking to me as I'm doing whatever. I think he said he wanted Ari. Well, yeah, that was, he was he was disappointed last year that he didn't have that in season three he didn't have Ari. Well, oh, and by the way, uh, Riot, please for the love of God, give him whatever champion he wants if he wins. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. The, those two, if they win, Bryant basically does, you know, if Bengi wants to have a jungle singed skin, you give him jungle singed. <laughs> I would love a jungle singed skin. Uh, Walter, uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you live tweeting and everything during the games tomorrow? Well, you can find me at C80s underscore LOL. I will, I will definitely be awake to watch this live. This isn't something I want ruined by Twitter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good. Have fun at that, uh, that 4 a.m. wake-up call tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be brilliant if you're on the Pacific Coast. Meanwhile, on the East Coast, uh, for lucky people like me, I get to be up at 7 a.m., which is still horrendous given my sleep schedule. But I'll take it comparatively. Uh, it is gonna be a lot of fun. And meanwhile, if you think this podcast was a lot of fun, there are so many wonderful things you can do. You can follow me on Twitter at, at @redshirtking. Make sure that you get all of these episodes as soon as they come out because I'm always tweeting these things out to you guys. You can go to unicorn.com/community where you can have these podcasts with a little bit of a write-up, you know, some themes that we get to talk about. I like to tie everything together and kind of add a little bit more flavor to everything that you're about to hear. So, I think you guys should definitely check that out. Uh, you can also Follow us on iTunes. We are on iTunes at Esports Gambling Hour. You search that. You can subscribe. You can review. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. I know we have at least one review. I would love to get at least another one by the end of the, of the day, if you guys would be so kind. They, they mean a lot, and they do a lot as far as how these algorithms go. So if you're listening to this, just go on iTunes, review it. It would mean the world. You can keep listening to it on SoundCloud if that's – how you prefer to take this stuff in, soundcloud.com slash esportsgamblinghour. Uh, you'll get it usually like a half an hour to an hour before it'll appear on iTunes, which isn't usually a huge deal, but it is to some of you guys out there, so I always like to give that as an option. And until tomorrow, enjoy the finals, and goodbye, Internet.